Adams, Adamly, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. It's time for school. Rock school. With your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. Be good to yourself and those around you. We could repackage it. What? what does that even mean? <laughs> the whole book was just a pile of horse plop and stolen horse plop. Yep. That class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show, Rock School Radio Network. Uh, you over there, you what's your name there? Uh, what's it? What's pretty it? Girl. Hey, pretty girl. What's your <laughs> name there? No, I'm, I'm looking at you nasty-like because you're chewing on black licorice. Oh, you're, I am? Big chunks of black licorice. In yeah. my teeth? It, no, no, it's not that it's in your teeth. You know what's going to happen. It's going to run right into the microphone. Later on, it's going to sound like rain on a tin roof because those little pieces are going to start dinking right into the front of the microphone. We're going to find that little pop filter we have in front of the microphone. Uh It's going to look like a chocolate chip cookie here in a little bit because all those pieces are going to come flying out fairly soon. So be it. So be it. Well, I'm Joe Burns, and it's time to do a Rock School radio show. I'm Tammy Burns. Yeah, I I asked you your name already. I didn't tell you. Go ahead. Okay, fair enough. I'm going to give you a name, and I know exactly that you know who this person is because... When I told you this topic, you went and bought a book. Oh, yes. And have read about this Perlman person. So what I'm going to do is throw out the name and see if the audience knows who this person is. Do you out there know who Lou Perlman is? Of course, they can't answer me. Mm. Some are nodding their heads and they some are. of them are shaking their heads. Lou Perlman just died not too long ago, August 19th, 2016, which is what kicked off the idea for this show. Lou Perlman was in jail for the second largest Ponzi scheme of all in the United States, only behind Bernie Madoff. That's right. But only Bernie Madoff beat him. I know. And I know. This is so crazy. And you think to yourself, well, that's what we're going to talk about. The fact that this guy had the second largest Ponzi scheme in the United States. Yeah. Oh, no. No? If this guy had not been a crook, and there's no two ways about it. Yeah. Lou Perlman was a crook. He would have been one of the most successful music producers Ever. And you, the audience, and you, Tammy Burns, know this guy's music up, down, through, under, out, and what have you. You may not like it, but the fact still remains he was in charge of one of the best-selling bands to this date and the biggest-selling boy band to date in the Backstreet Boys. Yes, he was. He is also in charge of the second highest selling boy band to date in NSYNC. Now, One Direction is coming up behind them, but to this date, number one and number two still belong to Lou Pearlman. And they're going to for a long time. Now, somebody out there who didn't know him was going, oh, he's that kind of overweight guy with the big glasses and such. That's him. Mm -hmm. So we're going to tell you how this guy did it And it was 
I don't know how else to say it, crookery from the beginning to the end. Oh, you're not going to play boy bands, are you? Oh, yes. Well, I got to play a couple of, of them. Of course you do. But we're also going to reach back and talk about the concept of the boy bands into the 1960s and maybe even a couple girl bands. Okay. And the fact that these things were so successful. It all started when this guy, the concept of wanting to work with boy bands, when this guy, and a lot of people think it's when he saw New Kids on the Block, Mm-mm. Not so. Nope. According to the Backstreet Boys documentary, which is called Show Me What You're Made Of, it's when he saw the Boys to Men song Motown Philly. Yeah. That's when he went, I can do that. I can find guys that sing and sound like that, and I can become successful with yes, it. Yes, he did. When we get back, we're going to tell you how it got started, where he got his money, where he didn't get his money but gave the impression he had money, it's Lou Pearlman for an hour here on Rock School. talking about Big Papa, Incognito Johnson, (laughs) Lou Pearlman today here on Rock School. He's a crook. There's no two ways about it. He's an absolute crook, which is really too bad. I have a weird disease. What's the weird disease? Because I I like the guy even after I read this book. Yeah, I know. It's hard not to do it. It's a book by, I believe, an Orlando journalist who followed him around. Absolutely. Now, he is of some, you know, good stock. He's first cousin to Art Garfunkel. For real? So he had an end to the music business. But you would think to yourself, if he's this good at music, he must have been doing music his whole life. Mm-hmm. No. He began by being a, and you're going to think I'm making a joke, a blimp pilot. A blimp. You know what those those people are called? Blimp pilots? Helium heads. Is that really the, is that what it says yep, in the in the yep. in, in the book? It's a blimp groupie, helium okay. heads. Okay. Yep. He he trained with a German company on blimp piloting and then started tried to start a helicopter service in New York City, but that didn't work. So he, and again, where do you get the money for this? Well, you borrow from someone else to make it work and then when it doesn't succeed, Bankruptcy. then you're then you're stuck. Yeah, well, they're stuck. That's that was he always He had a great his idea. His his idea with the uh with the uh, getting people from one part of New York City to the other via, you know, helicopter was fabulous. Right, but it didn't work. He couldn't get it off the ground. Thank you for the pun. <laughs> when he got back after working with the German company, he uh-huh. started a blimp company and actually leased two blimps to Jordash and also a second blimp that he would lease to MetLife and McDonald's. He would just swap out the thing that's on the side of it. Yes. And then promptly crashed the blimps. Yes, he did. How do you crash a blimp? It's not like the thing moves at any breakneck speed, but still the fact remains he crashed these blimps. Now he's in debt for these two blimps. So instead of saying, well, I'd better get a real job and pay off this this blimp problem that I have, 
what he does is with another person starts this thing called transcontinental records because now he's got it in his head that he can create another boys to men um, like we just played and, 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 you know, another new kids on the block. So what he does is in his hometown of Orlando puts some things in the newspaper. Hey, we need good looking guys who can sing and yeah, dance. Right. And he puts together these guys, McLean, uh, Carter, Richardson, Luttrell, uh, Howie D., and finds that, hey, these kids can really sing. These kids can really They're beautiful. Dance. They're right. great looking kids. Just that. And it does what a boy band is supposed to do. Attract girls. Exactly that. Girls with money. Girls in Orlando, which is an affluent place in Florida. And he puts out an album and the darn thing goes ballistic. And you would think, well, there you go. Now he's going to pay off the blimp thing. No, he begins, and this is what will be his downfall. We'll talk about this later in the show. He begins putting money here and there. So on paper, it looks like he's got a lot more money than he actually does. And we'll talk about this. He begins to set up contracts with the boy bands that he's running where they make a dime he makes 10 bucks. Right. Now, you expect that out of some places. Yes. But the lawsuits begin to fly. But at the beginning, what a fantastic success. And the Backstreet Boys become, as I said, to this day, the highest selling boy band of all time. Everybody, Backstreet's back. <laughs> all right, on Rock School. Street Boys, we mentioned Jordash Jeans in yeah. the blimp concern. Right. It was Jordash Jeans, according to the book you read, which, by the way, is called The Hit Charade, not Parade, Charade, by Tyler Gray, who, again, was a reporter in Orlando. Right. And according to the book, uh, apparently Lou Perlman, this, this Svengali of boy bands, got the idea for his Ponzi scheme, the idea of, I'm going to sell you something I don't have, uh, from Jordash Jeans. That was that was one of the ideas. Give, uh, the, give the idea of Jordash Jeans. Well, what happened is you had these, this group of brothers who were from Israel, and they had four discount apparel stores in Brooklyn and Manhattan. Right. In 77, the blackout of New York City, their biggest outlet was destroyed. Okay. But... They received a hundred and twenty thousand dollars in um, insurance, mo- in insurance money, yeah. right? So what they started to do was hyping a sexy, sexy ads touting curve hugging Jordash look. Right, but the jeans didn't exist. Jeans yet. didn't exist. But when they found there was an interest, they produced the jeans. Right. Did they not? Right, mass produced them. The plan worked. Right. So that's one of the things that that Perlman, I mean, he was inspired by that. Right, but here's the difference between those guys that are in the apparel industry. Right. When the retail outlets said, hey, those jeans sound great, we'll take them, they delivered jeans. 
Perlman later on will talk about his Ponzi scheme when people said, hey, this aviation thing of yours sounds really neat. Oh, mosquito, I'll send you money. He didn't then produce the thing. Right. That's the problem. These guys did it legally. They, somebody said, I'll take 500 pairs of jeans. 500 pairs of jeans showed up. They did. That's, they did it legally. Well, here's what happened. Backstreet is doing very well, and what Lou Pearlman did was take former New Kids on the Block manager Johnny Wright and his wife Donna and said, here, you guys run New Kids on the Block. No way this guy's going to capture lightning in a bottle twice. He does the same thing. He puts ads in the newspaper down in Orlando. Hey, need good-looking kids who can dance. And this time, people know who he is. He's had a little bit of success, so names start showing up, like former Mouseketeer Justin Timberlake, along with, I think it's Chaz, is there something like Kirkpatrick, Fatone, and Lance Bass, and they make up in sync. Kaboom! Yeah, you did it. Yeah, it explodes again, which gets him another television show. He had one beforehand. Another television show on MTV called Making the Band, which leads to O-Town. Right. Which have like seven top ten hits, Mm -hmm. which leads to another group called Innocence, which, by the way, had Britney Spears in it right at the beginning. That's right. Which leads to C-Note, which leads to O-Town, which leads to all these different... Again and again, like I said, if he wasn't a crook, which he is, and he freely admits that he is. He did a jailhouse interview about a year before he died. Freely admits it. And the reason he freely admits it is because he says, if they would have just given me a computer and the ability to do business from jail, (laughs) I could have paid this money back. Unbelievable. Okay. Gonna play another boy band. Here you go. It's in sync. Bye 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 bye. Here on Rock School. first break here's a question how did he do it because as i've said a hundred times before he wasn't of the music industry no he was a svengali it seemed he was almost a magician that showed up out of nowhere and threw some ads into a newspaper well a guy named john seabrook author of inside the hit machine which is a decent book by the way if you're looking for something to read it's a pretty good book Here's what he says. Lou Pearlman, he wasn't a singer, he wasn't a songwriter, and you say in that book that he was part of a band back in 1970. Yeah, the Flyers. Who cares? I was part of a band in my college days also called Theory. Oh. Ever heard of them either? No. No. He wasn't a producer. Here's what his talent was. He was an assembler of people who sounded good together. What he could do was find people and architect a band. Now, you personally, the rock listener, and I hope I haven't made some of you go, I can't listen to boy bands, I will explode. If, if The story is what it is. That, that movie straight out of Compton? Yeah. You know, I hate gangster rap. Yeah, I get it. But the story of how they became and, you know, created a new form of music is so neato mosquito. This guy simply architected bands and managed them. 
that's where he laid his hat and where it was so wonderful. He had a sense of harmony and he understood what sounded good together. And furthermore, he understood completely what a boy band was. Right. He had no grandiosque belief that they were going to be an Elvis Presley music that lasts forever. It is what it is. Disposable pop by pretty young boys to make girls go, ah. So he hired people who would write just that. Pretty three, three and a half minute songs so these pretty boys could sing pretty major key melodies, and he hired people to do it. Yeah. Rather than trying to capture it all himself. It's just too bad he had all this other stuff attached to the silly thing. Because what he did, he did very well, and it's not like he did it once or twice. He did it seven times. Seven. Seven. Successfully. It's biblical. Who's listening to us? Oh, that would be WBSD in Burlington, Wisconsin. Good enough. Back in a minute here on Rock School. Okay, coming out of the break, it all begins to unravel. No. Okay, big, giant, you know, success, uh, a compound where young guys would come and they would attempt to create boy bands out of them. But he didn't own a monkey or a Ferris wheel. No, they, they weren't coming to Neverland. But there were studios and there were dance teachers and there were those that were teaching them to harmonize and such. I mean, he had a like a lot like Motown. He He's had, got a sound. Right. He had a, a, a place where you could come and learn to be a boy band. Right. And we can talk about it a little later on, but there were rumblings that Perlman was a homosexual and that he was bringing the boy bands in because he wanted to be around young men. Whereas that may be true or not true, there have been no uh, lawsuits filed for that reason. Nobody proclaimed that 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 there were um, sexual approaches or anything like that, or you know anything le- anything well, more even, than e- it was creepy, right? He and even the, wh- them. the whispers that right. that were out there have yeah. been denied, right? He sort of touched them on the arm or something like that, and since nothing has gone to court since nothing has been, well, he did this to me or we had a relationship. I, we can't really speak on it. Right. It, it's, it's nothing more than titillating talk. And, and since there's no, there's no basis to it, I don't want to talk about that. The lawsuits, though, are quite solid. The UC5 is the only band that did not file a lawsuit against Perlman. It all had to do with, hey, look, you're not paying us enough money, pal. Uh-huh. And you think to yourself, well, every band makes that complaint. Yeah, but the way he didn't pay the money was really clever. What he did with uh, most of the bands was made himself an additional member. So what he did with the Backstreet Boys was make himself not only manager, uh-huh. but producer and the sixth member of the group. That's right. Yeah. Backstreet's back. <laughs> it says here... For every $300,000 that the band made, Perlman made 30, 30 Three zero? million dollars and only paid them $75 a week in order to eat and survive. And every other lawsuit was pretty much the same thing. And off they go. 
Every single one of the lawsuits was settled, most of them with a gag order, and specifically a gag order because Perlman did not want anyone understanding or knowing how his system worked. I love I love how he made himself the additional Backstreet Boy. <laughs> you don't think that's, that's you don't think that's horrible? That's a beautiful model. Yeah. That should you, be in every business school. If you'd like to see if you ever see the guy or see a picture of him, I'd like to see him try to do some of those dances. He probably created some of them. Okay, boy bands. Who really was the first boy band? Well, I don't know. It de- depends on what you consider a boy oh, band. Oh, the Osmonds, Jacksons. Osmonds, Jacksons, the monkeys, something. I'll tell you what may be the first perfect boy band, though. The Who? first perfect boy band. Who? Jackson 5. Oh. Why? Oh. Well, five really handsome guys. Yes. But they were all different ages. That's right. All the way from very young Michael up to a fully grown guy. So every girl of every age group could pick a Jackson and go, he's He's the one I'm going to marry. That's right. Jackson five here on Rock School. Okay, coming into the bottom of the hour really late. Okay, well, let's so, do it. I'm My lips are moving. Go, go, go. We got to move along. I'm Joe Burns. You I'm are. Tammy Burns. Let's do seven days and 70 seconds, and I'll give you one more of the unraveling of Lou Pearlman. Then we'll get into his Ponzi scheme and how he really gets taken down quick. These are the rock and roll dates. September 5 all the way through September 11. Let's find out what happened on those epochal dates. Go ahead. You got Monday, Tammy. Do it. September 5th, 1957. Elvis Presley gives his mother Gladys his pink 1955 Cadillac Fleetwood. September 6, 1974, George Harrison launches Dark Horse Records. September 7, 1978, Keith Moon of The Who dies at age 32. September 8, 1954, Alan Freed makes his move from Cleveland to New York where he begins broadcasting Alan Freed's Rock and Roll Show on WINS. September 9, 1968, The Beatles record Record. Oh, record, yeah, absolutely. Uh, helter Skelter. English, English, your first and only mother tongue. Hey. September 10th, 1962, the BBC bands Bobby Boris Pickett's Halloween song Monster Mash, saying it's in poor taste. And then finally, September 11, 1977, David Bowie appears on Bing Crosby's Merry Old Christmas special. Bowie refuses to sing Little Drummer Boy, so his part is rewritten as Peace on Earth. Crosby dies a month later, and now pretty much everybody knows the entire story. Yeah. Perlman gets nailed again. He writes a book, co-written with another guy named Wes Smith, called Bands, Brands, and Billions, My Top Ten Rules for Making Any Business Go Platinum. I was all over it. Okay. You know, the guy's unbelievably successful. I was thinking, how do I do it? That's right. Let's read this book. Except, when people who knew what they were doing began to read the book, they found that large sections of it were plagiarized. Largest. And, the, <laughs> and sections that weren't plagiarized were these Svengali empty word things. Be 
good to yourself and those around you. We could repackage it. What does that even mean? (laughs) The whole book was just a pile of horse plop and stolen horse plop at that. Okay, one of the first boy bands, maybe the first. Don't think so. There's one right before it, I think at least. But Tammy likes the monkeys, so there you go. Oh, there you go. Monkeys on Rock School. Rock group down the street is trying hard to Okay, coming into the second break here, this is where it starts to go so bad that the feds get involved. Please explain. And this is where they uncover what will become the second largest Ponzi scheme in American history by Perlman. Okay. Only eclipsed by Bernie Madoff. Okay. Perlman, along with a couple other investors, purchases Mark Tolner's internet-based company, Options Talent Group. This is a place where if you want to get into singing or you want to get into acting, you send in your headshots and your resume. You know, I, it's, it's the thing that I always think they're lying about. Right. You know, I've had four years of modern, two years of tap. <laughs> so you send that in. Now, what he, Perlman, did was change its name to Transcontinental Talent, Willahima Scouting Network, WebStyle Network, Fashion Rock, Talent Rock, and about seven other names. Ooh. And then posted it all over the place, plus magazines, plus what have you, in order to take a single company and then widen it out to give it the impression that it's multiple companies. Got it. Got it. People did what he wanted them to do. Sent in the headshots, sent in the resumes, plus 100 bucks, 200 bucks for whatever they wanted to do. Here's the problem. They didn't do anything with it. Now, the original company, Options Talent, did. They tried to get you work. Perlman did none of that. The he money did simply right, it went right in his pocket. Well, states began to look at it, monster.com began pulling down all of his stuff, and then he declared bankruptcy. Well, in a bankruptcy court, they the lawyers mm-hmm. and the judge yeah. begins to look around and say, "Well, if you're going to proclaim bankruptcy, what uh, what else you got?" What what do you have hidden in your pocket there? What assets do you have lying around? Yeah. So this is where something else gets uncovered. This is bad enough, the fact that he bilked all these people out of money. Where'd all this money go? You took in a lot of money. Yeah, he did. Where'd all this money go? Well, yeah, but it went somewhere else. Where'd it go? I'm going to tell you as soon as we get out of the break. Who's listening to us? We'll find out what happened with all of this money Perlman took in. KSCL in Shreveport, Louisiana. Back in a minute. We're going to tell you about the Ponzi scheme here on Rock School. Okay, coming out of the break, what takes down Lou Perlman is a Ponzi scheme that gets unearthed inside of these bankruptcy hearings. First of all, do you know what a Ponzi scheme is? Uh, it's kind of like Robin Peter to pay Paul. It's exactly that. It's named after a guy named Charles Ponzi from the 1920s. What he did, what the original Charles Ponzi did, was sold, sold postal reply coupons, where you could get a coupon, then take that coupon and go exchange it for postage stamps. So you would you'd buy it at a lower rate or a higher rate, okay. depending on what have you. Yeah. 
And what he did is an investor would say to him, I want to invest in these things here. And he would say, well, if you give me X amount of money after so many days, you can make upwards of a 45% return. And after so many days, you can make a 100% return. And you know what? They did. I like it. How is it possible? Well, he found other investors to pay the first investors. <laughs> the things weren't making any money. But he used others to pay others, robbing Peter to pay Paul. And that's where the name came from. The Ponzi scheme that was set up by Perlman was Transcontinental Airline Travel Services and Transcontinental Airlines Incorporated. No planes, no tarmacs, no nothing. These things existed only on paper. So what he did is he got over 20 years, about 1,700 people to give him a lot of money. As a matter of fact, upwards of 300 million Dollars $340 Is that what it says in the book? $340 million? Yep. The thing is, when he, Perlman, was interviewed about this in a jailhouse interview about a year before he died, I think it was with The Hollywood Reporter, he was so proud of it. And he said, I'm so much better than Bernie Madoff. Madoff had nothing supporting it. Yeah. Every time somebody wanted to cash in, I could pay them off because I had the boy bands supporting me. That's right. That's I right. had the money. He had all kinds of fake documents from AIG and Lords of London, Lloyds of London and kept this thing going and enriched himself you say $340 million, but it was pure, unadulterated horse plop because neither of these corporations existed. It was a Ponzi scheme, but a supported Ponzi scheme. So you know what happened? I'm assuming he went to jail. People started asking for their uh, investment back. Uh, bankrupt. Bring me my money back. Gone. Ponzi. Completely. And that's, that's when the scheme begins to fall apart. Right, because when there's too many people to pay... The whole thing has to fall apart, which is what happened to Bernie Madoff. Now, here's the fun part. When he goes to jail, the judge makes him a deal. Let's play a song, and I'm going to tell you what the deal is that the judge makes him. And Bernie Madoff says, or not Bernie Madoff, pardon me, Lou Pearlman says, if you let me do this, I can clear the whole darn thing. <laughs> we'll be back in just a minute. A lot of people believe that the first boy band was the Beatles, which to some people's offensive. What? Here are the Beatles. Be. Here are the Beatles on Rock School. Okay, coming into the last break, obviously Lou Pearlman has been found guilty, so what kind of sentence did he get? Well, 25 years, which was one month for each of the million he bilked people out of. If you do the mathematics, 300 gives you 25 years if you give one million for each one of the months. However, the judge also said you could reduce your sentence one month for every million dollars you returned. Well, Perlman had in cash enough money to knock four years off his sentence. So what's that? 12, 24, 36, 48. So he had $48 million oh that he could knock off the sentence. So I don't know what 21 times 12 is, but 
What Perlman said was, look, I don't have it in cash. You know I don't have it in cash, but if you allow me to have internet access, phone access, and if you give me a weekly visitation right, yeah. I can perform business from jail. I can start a new boy band, and within two years, I can pay back every penny of this thing. What do you think? Could he have done it or could he not have done it? I think he could have. I'll make you a bet he could have. And he probably would have done it within two or three years because you say to yourself, oh, boy bands are over. Really? One Direction is killing it. And these bands, these boy bands that are on whatever, what's the Disney Channel and all their little subsidiaries, Mm -hmm. every one of them has got some television show with some handsome guy that they then surround with three or four other guys that come out and every single one, my, my daughter's 10 years old, every single one of the songs begin with, girl. Oh, they're all the same. And then he makes some kind of statement, girl, I saw you by the locker today. And my daughter tries to play it off like, oh, it doesn't bother me. But then she's all, oh, this stuff works. It works like a dream. Every time. Every time. It doesn't really go the You're opposite. Easy. It, well, it's not that. It's it's fun to, I guess, fall in love. It's attention. Yeah. It's, it's, it's Tiger Beat magazine. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know that it works the opposite direction with the girl bands. The guys don't quite fall in love so easily. We're more a visual animal. Oh, you were a little goo-goo-gaga over the bangles. I like the bangles. Yeah. I mm-hmm. did. But still, my thinking wasn't, let us get married and... And live in the country in a nice white house with a picket fence. Now, I had other ideas. Yeah, okay. Yeah, my ideas went in a completely different direction. Easy now. But, yeah. So there you go. There's the story of Lou. And I know it's boy bands, and I know this is rock school, but you got to admit, he started with blimps. What a great story. And here we are to the second largest Ponzi scheme in the United States. Yeah, so pick up the uh, book Hit Charade by Tyler Gray. It was a great read. How long did it take you? About a day, two days? I was... I was so into it because this was, I I couldn't get enough. Yeah, it's amazing. I just don't know how people like Lou Pearlman keep getting these big loans. I mean, you and I, it took us how long to get like 25,000 just to redo our bathroom? I don't know. I don't know how he gets the phone numbers to call all of these people and and call them and and make all these decisions and spend the kind of money he spends. Amazing. We would have been in jail a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm afraid to cheat on my taxes. And this dude, oh, man. Yeah, and he does all of this kind of stuff. It is amazing. That'll wrap it up. I'm Joe Burns. You are? I am Tammy Burns. Okay, Backstreet's back. We'll finish with them. Here on Rock School, class is dismissed.